This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Dunn Tire Roundtable on WGR. Mike Schoep and the Bulldogs, Sal Capaccio, the divisional round. Bills and Bengals, a highly anticipated matchup to say the least, and not just by us. And Cincinnati fans, this is a good one. League-wide, it was a great one in December, or I guess early January, the game. January 2nd, yeah. Right, where they were slated to play in the regular season. They got nine minutes in, and then the unfortunate events involving DeMar Hamlin put a stop to that game. He's doing well, and we have the game we wanted. Bills and Bengals here in Buffalo here in round two. I, I feel like I know to start here with Sal some sort of a broader setup for this game, but I'm not going to. The last guy on brought up the first the first uh, meeting, the nine minutes, mm-hmm. how, how the Bengals played. They were effective. They were arguably even dirty. They won the coin toss and took the ball, this stuff. Callers laying out, you know, a common sort of Cincinnati was ready for that game. What about it, Sal? Like, is is there anything? How much? Whether you have a, a thought on some of that, which you probably do, but also like, how much information did these two teams get from each other that night? I asked McDermott about that today when he was on with us, and he's been asked about it a couple times this week, and he did say it's a small sample, but you you know you could take a little bit away. Um, I I think the point that the caller made, I agree with. I don't know, maybe ready's the word. I think the Bengals really went in with a very, very aggressive mindset that game, uh, that they're going to take it to the Bills. Remember the talk leading up to the game. They were just very, a lot of bravado coming out of there. We talked about that. I think that was their mindset. They're going to take the ball. They're going to score. They're going to just go right after Tredavious White in the first play. They're not going to care. You say borderline dirty. There were a couple of times there, right? We're going to be aggressive. We're going to come after you. Uh, Look what happened with Hayden Hurts. Hayden Hurts hurt. Hurst, excuse me, and Taron Johnson, obviously, and then Hendrickson rolling into Josh Allen. It doesn't have to be related to all of that mindset, but it probably is because they just felt that we're going to take it to them any way they can. So I think the Bills are aware of that now, obviously, right? Hey, they, they, they did this last time. We cannot let that happen to us because it did cost them seven points in the first drive, and they were driving. They were out, I think, across midfield um, when DeMar collapsed. So, uh, But you could – I think what it is more than anything, guys, is – you can at least tap into this is what they thought about us and how to play us. It doesn't mean we think they're going to do the exact same thing, but at least that's the starting base you have going into this week's preparation. Yeah, I think I, I mentioned to you earlier this week, Sal, um, having some curiosity 
uh, whether or not either of these teams would be able to get to that kind of a fever pitch again, given what happened. I know it's weeks ago now, and life goes on, and Hamlin is you know on a pretty long road to recovery, but he's on a road to recovery. Like, he's not in danger mm-hmm. anymore anyway. He's not in a hospital bed. And so maybe as competitors, just like, okay, well, that was unprecedented, but it happened, and he's okay, and they saved him, so, like, now we just got to go play. Um, but, I don't know, it, it feels a little oh, – I feel a little funky about just assuming everyone is fine and over it um, on both sides. You know, I mean, I, I think – if you like, I'm thinking about Tredavious White. I know this was a couple of weeks ago, but like, I close my eyes and I see it. I would think any guy, any person who was there witnessing that, would still could still be susceptible to the, those sorts of feelings. Sure, I think that's. I, I would never want to assume you know anybody is or isn't right. I mean, that's how yeah. everybody processes everything in their own way. I would say what helps here though is you have played two games since for both yeah. teams. You've been on a football field. Uh, you have all the reports, and you know it's been easier to kind of turn the page to concentrate on football and they're not playing in the same stadium. I think that would also maybe, you know, trigger those feelings a little bit more. They're not going to be wearing the same colored uniforms. The bills are wearing blue. The Bengals are wearing white, all that stuff. I think probably <laughs> creeps into play yeah. here. So yeah, I don't know how much all of that's going to matter on Sunday. You know, when you go to kick off the, the football, I think guys know that, you know, they have to be concentrating on playing football against their opponent, especially one that did come out as aggressive as the Cincinnati Bengals did against the bills a few weeks ago. Well, you've had, we've all had all week to, Talk about this matchup going back to the other game, too, that that on top of this. How do you feel just generally, Sal, about this opponent for the Bills? We know Burrow, Chase, and Higgins defensively. That coordinator has gotten a lot of, uh, has gotten a lot of credit. Um, we know about the line injuries. What does it add up to for you? What kind of test here for the Bills? I mean, it's a very big test. They're, they're still a, a really, really uh, terrific football team. And, you know, they have weapons all over the place. And obviously, I'm watching a lot of the <coughs> excuse me, national shows today just before I came on with you guys. I'm watching, like, ESPN and the talking heads there. And, you know, the recurring theme is I'm not going against Joe Burrow, right? That's what a lot of it is. I'm not going against Joe Burrow. He's just so good. He's Joe Cool. And why not? I mean, he's a terrific player. Um, so I think, you know, the Bills have their hands full when it comes to all that. I think, though, I've always said... You give Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier a week to prepare. I think that they'll have a, a solid game plan against anybody. It doesn't mean it's always going to work. They can always make plays on you, but I think they'll have a good grasp of what they want to do and what they think can be effective. And in this particular case, I would think the same thing, especially considering their offensive line. I heard you talking, Mike, last hour about when you, you know, when you hear about offensive linemen being down, it doesn't really kind of move the meter as much for you. Mm-hmm. I understand that. I do. But I think it's different when you have three out of five. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a that's a group that has to play together. That's a group that has to be kind of insane. You lose one, it, you went next man up. Even two, maybe. Once you get start three out of five, that's a group they have not played together at all this year, other than the last half of last game. And you're also talking about the fact that this has happened so recently to them. They went 15 games without changing one of those guys out. They have now changed three of them out in the last three weeks. That's four a good weeks. point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Collins first, then Kappa, and, and now uh, now Williams, right? Right. Is how that's gone. Um, I, I tell you, man, I, I'm, I've been more focused on that. Um, and I think I started right, right as soon as this week, you know, as soon as we turned the page from the Miami game. But there was a piece of the Miami game to me that, that sort of was my walking off point. Miami was banged up up front, and 
the Bills did not like for, you know the four man the four you know the linemen anyway. There wasn't like a, b- a bunch of win. They weren't unblockable. And I want to give you a chance to say what you've said. I think the two times I've brought that up because I I am kind of clinging to it like a and not quite like a life raft because I don't feel despair uh, at all. Like I feel very confident about this game and maybe in part because of what you said about how the Bills approached Miami. And I guess I'm hoping it'll be different against Cincinnati. Yeah, what I saw the Bills really. And this was evidenced, I think, by something Miami did, and I'll get to that in a second, but the the Dolphins did have a banged-up offensive line, and you know everybody said the Bills can take advantage of them. That's right. But I think they did it a different way. They just basically said, we're not going to let you run on us. You're not going to run block us. Miami averaged 2.1 yards a carry. It was insanely low. They averaged 3.3 yards per play. Uh, that is only the eighth time in the last 16 years of NFL playoff football that any team averaged 3.3 yards a play or less. So the Bills did a really good job. And I think up front, they just didn't pin their ears back. They didn't fly upfield. When you fly upfield, that's when lanes get created. And I think the Bills said, guess what? We're going to stay in our lanes. We're going to squat. We're going to set the edge. And we're going to bet that Skylar Thompson, even if he has a little extra time, that he can't beat us. And then what they did was they mixed in a few blitzes, and Matt Milano winds up with two sacks. And that's how they got the pressure when they said, we're not going to worry about it up front. Yeah, if we can get pressure, that's great. I mean, they still got it a few times, and they made them mm-hmm. run around. But the thing that Miami tried to do was, like, I think Miami thought that they could just get to the edge on the Bills, and they couldn't. Every, every run for the first two series, I think, was to the edge, and they just couldn't do it. And the Bills were there because they weren't flying upfield. They weren't giving them that. They were basically coming down the line of scrimmage, going with the flow, and really being disciplined. I think this week you might see something different. I think this week mm-hmm. because since he just isn't a great run team anyway – and Joe Burrow gets rid of the ball so quickly, I think this week might be the week where they say, we're just going to go upfield, and hopefully we'll have to have him kind of get off his read quicker. We don't aren't going to be as threatened necessarily by the run. And not only that, but you know those receivers, you know, we got to make sure, you know, we, if, if we try to blitz to generate pressure, they're probably going to beat us anyway. So I think this yeah. week is try to get the pressure with the front four, and um, you know, if they try to run, we think that we can handle them. Yeah, that's, I think, basically how a team would normally want to start. Let's see what this amounts to, and then if we have to pivot, you know, that's maybe a bad sign, but then right. we can adjust to that and send more guys. Sal Capaccio on the West Her Hotline. I did not hear your show this morning, but Twitter today has been a lot about Allen and his performances of late, trying to do too much, that whole thing, that article from Ben Solak at The Ringer. What's your take, Sal? Like, is that something that a is plausible if you can if you'll give me sort of the general observation I'm sure you know what I mean and then b how much of a problem is it I do think it's plausible I think Josh Allen often tries to do too much I think he's been trying to do too much since he came in the league and I think he'll try to do too much for the next 15 years hopefully of his career <laughs> and I think that's what we love about Josh Allen that when he tries to do too much sometimes he can and oftentimes he can, and he becomes Superman, and he makes a throw or a play where we say nobody else in the league can do that. Well, guess what? Nobody else in the league will even try to do that. I mean, it, it, that's what makes him special. So it's not a problem to me because I'm going to live with it. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live in that space where Josh Allen will always try to be winning the Super Bowl every play, it seems like. And, yeah, there's got to be times. We know this. And Sean McDermott said it this week. And I'm not saying, oh, my God, be risky every single time he drops back. No, that's not what I'm saying. But even Sean McDermott said, you don't want to take the handcuffs off people like that. You prepare. You trust what what the 
game plan is, what you want to do, and you know, you go out and you do it and you execute it. And last week was called for a lot of deep shots, and they felt that they could do that, and that was their path to do it. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't um, have any issue with Josh doing that, but I do think he tries to do too much sometimes, and sometimes he can get him in trouble. I also think they're talented enough on offense to overcome it. That's another big part of it. They've they've turned the ball over twenty seven times this year, and they still score twenty eight points a game, second in the league. Yeah, here, here. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm really curious. Like, I I think the criticism is valid. You know, that he did push the ball down the field like crazy against Miami, but Miami was basically begging him to do that, right? Like, what, what do we want? Like, we, we want, I think, Allen to hit Gabe Davis or Stephon Diggs when they're singled up, right? I mean, Davis had a step each time on those deep throws. I mean, you got to hit him, you know? And I know there was the interception on the one to, to Brown where there was maybe a screw-up there between uh, Brown and, and Allen and, and what ended up, you know, where the ball went and where Brown went. Um, but it, it sort of assumes that I feel like like maybe overstating that criticism would be, if you're implying at all, that you're worried that he's going to do that if a team is playing too high shell or something. And right. I, I don't, I just don't, I'm sort of bracing Agreed. for, I, I've been calling for it for weeks, like that return of that crisp, quick, oh, woo, oh, Chris Collins, oh, look at, look at the precision with Allen, he's Brady, that's the opener, and that was quick passing because the team was playing soft, and I think if the Bengals play that way, I would expect a healthy dose of that kind of passing game to at least try to bring them out of it before you take the shots. I mean, I don't expect Allen to just launch the ball down the field because he doesn't know what else to do because, you know, he's so desperate to make these big plays. I just think that's nuts. I think that it ignores evidence we've seen to the contrary even this season that he will be more practical and more conservative if it's really called for. Yeah, I mean, and and people – Again, I agree, Mike. I've seen all this stuff with you know about Allen, and that's been the talking point. Of course, I mean, these are only there's only a few games this weekend, so everybody's going to be focusing on this stuff. But I think what happens this time of year is a lot of people come out and do a little box score scouting, where they watch one game, and maybe that's the game you watched last week, or they go by reputation. I want to remind everybody that from November 20th through the end of the season, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games, Josh Allen threw only four interceptions, and I believe two of them were picked. Uh, tipped at the line of scrimmage, uh, one against Chicago and one against Detroit. He went three games without throwing one at all. Um, and by the way, I'm not counting the Cincinnati game, I guess, so maybe one less game there. But you get the point. And I agree 100% Bulldog. That's what last week's game plan called for. Listen, I re- I'll always remember now. During the broadcast, it's third and, was it third and 13 on the second drive? <clears throat> and Stefan Diggs catches the long pass down the, uh, maybe middle of the field, down the hash, setting the Bills up. And Eric Wood says on the radio, on the broadcast, I can't believe they went cover zero. That's a fireable offense. <laughs> Dude got fired the day after the season ended right. the next day. Right. right? I mean, like, it's just amazing. He said that right at that moment. He said, I can't believe they did that. Well, look, that's because you, and, and they did it. The Bills saw it and said, that's the, that's the play. If they're going to run cover zero mm-hmm. and Stefan Diggs is one-on-one, I'm going to throw it to him. I do not expect the Cincinnati Bengals to do that. Therefore, I don't expect Josh Allen to throw those passes necessarily. And if they do it, I do expect Josh Allen to throw those passes. Um, Gabe Davis, the only issue I had last week was maybe they should have maybe tried to control the ball a little more on that drive when they had two passes down the sideline to Gabe Davis. 
But I'm going to go back to saying they went one-on-one, and they've been successful. And Josh threw the ball deep. He also threw the ball deep to Khalil Shakir that should have been caught, that wasn't. They made the right calls there. I I do not expect the Cincinnati Bengals to just go one-on-one coverage, cover zero, and allow the Bills to do that. And I expect Josh Allen and the Bills to take their shots every once in a while, but this is a game, to me, that lines up with um, Cole Beasley underneath, maybe Dawson Knox, and then Gabe Davis. The, if you look at if you look at the Bengals, and I brought this up this week with you guys, go look at the Bengals throughout this year. It's been not been the number one receivers on teams. It's been the number two receivers on teams that have beaten them, and that's because they do a good job of taking away a number one, and they don't have primarily necessarily the horses to to cover the number two in those situations. A guy like Donovan Peoples-Jones, I think it was, had like eight for a buck 18 when they shut down Amari Cooper. But that has happened quite a bit to them this year. Can I just say, I'd like to I'd like you to know, I'm fine. I was fine with what the Dolphins wanted to do there, the cover zero stuff. Like, I don't know why the guy was fired. Maybe it was that. But no, I, that, I understand. That was, I mean, that's a team that's a 14-point underdog that yep. – has gotten pressure on Allen and has gotten mistakes out of him. And I think when you do that, that's what your your overall, your MO is. You're going to try, mm-hmm. you know, boomer bust plays to try to get turnovers. And did it not kind of work? Like they, mm-hmm. they yeah. He, Allen is so good and Diggs is so good that that 54 yard pass is like, okay, we'll just take a 54 yard game. Like that's just, that's not most teams. The Dolphins know who the Bills are, but they, you know they they have Xavier Howard in that spot, and you got to pick something. So I I kind of thought it made sense what they did. They did get a fumble touchdown return out of their the pressure they got. They got seven sacks, and they had the ball with three minutes to go and fourth and one on a, in a game where they were badly outgained. So you know you you got to do something. <laughs> I thought I thought kind of like, like I. I... I don't disagree that that was the game plan they should have. I disagree they should have done it in that moment. And those, those when you have that far to go, like th- that's not the time to do that. I mean, you you just you got to live to fight another well, day. But no, I I generally agree though that like that was the path for them to win. I said it all week, which is it's a big play defense. They're going to try to make big plays. Right. They're going to bring pressure. They're going to blitz. They're going to do that because that was the way they had to try and win that game, and they were very good at it overall. Fine, yeah, that's cool. I don't know how many receivers the Bills had on the field on that play, but if I'm in like cover three or something like that, I'm mm-hmm. just worried that Josh Allen's going to take off. Like that's <laughs> this, this is the problem, you know. Playing against him is that's right. You have to give up something, and I guess I I guess I would want to see I, if I'm playing the Bills, uh, you know, certain certain situations you're going to have to hit that deep ball on me, and I would love it if you hand it off a lot. That's what I want. That's what I'm hoping to get you to do. Mm-hmm. I'm going to play back, you know, and mix in some blitzes. And then hopefully, you know, you're going to want to run with Singletary and Cook and be happy when you get five yards. And, you know, that's just an uh, adv- advantage to me, I think, in the long game. But it's not like it's easy. No, All right. I also think, by the way, Josh Allen's legs could be a factor in this one. Uh, you watched last week, Tyler Huntley did a good job running against the Bengals. Yep. And I think to, to saying exactly what you're saying, Mike, that might open up some things for Josh to get, take a free five, six yards. I'll just squeeze this in here because there's a lot of game planning kind of conversation. Not that there won't be more, but constructing the game plan during our Football Friday Roundtable every week is brought to you by Admar Construction Equipment and Supplies, equipment you need when you need it. Well, we're nice, so we won't charge those guys double because we we just even constructed the Miami game plan uh, right there. <laughs> so extra, extra bonus uh, game plan talk. More with Sal Capaccio after sports, the Duntire Roundtable, with you until 6. Then we'll do our picks. 
Get your Ross Tucker in case you missed Ross yesterday. And at 7, it's the Bandits. The Bandits have a big one tonight in uh, Rochester. So good rivalry. It'll be a great atmosphere there, I'm sure, and it's an important game for the Bandits. I know I know uh, lacrosse a little bit now, Bulldog, because of Julius. All right, good. He gets me. He go, he's going to all the home games, and he's, he's uh, filling me in on the Bandits, which I'm glad for. Good to have that intel. It's nice to know things. All right, back after the update, Mike Schoep and the Bulldog here with Sal on WGR. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.